Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Hello, this is Andrea Matthews, your host of Authentic Living, and today we're going to be talking to John Randolph Price. You know, healing, wholeness, and abundance are things we all long for, and they're definitely possible when we live authentically. John Randolph Price, our guest today, is a world leader who teaches us all how to manifest healing, wholeness, and abundance. John is an internationally known, award-winning author and lecturer. Formerly a CEO in the corporate world, he has spent the past 27 years researching the mysteries of ancient wisdom and incorporating those findings in the writing of many books. He's the author of 18 nonfiction books, in fact, beginning with The Super Beings in 1981 and including The Angels Within Us, Angel Energy, and Living a Life of Joy, all from Random House, and from Hay House, The Abundance Book, The Alchemist's Handbook, Empowerment, The Jesus Code, The Love Book, The Meditation Book, Practical Spirituality, A Spiritual Philosophy for the New World, The Success Book, The Trade Edition of The Super Beings, The Wellness Book, With Wings as Eagles, The Workbook for Self-Mastery, Nothing is Too Good to be True, and the topic of our discussion today, Removing the Masks that Bind Us. An expert at manifestation, John's influence throughout his books comes with personal example. He and his wife, Jan, were the founders of the first World Healing Day in 1986, in which over 500 million people worldwide participated. They also founded the Quartus Foundation for Spiritual Research, the mission of which is to probe the mysteries of ageless wisdom and integrate those truths with spiritual metaphysics. He's a frequent speaker and has appeared on TV and radio shows nationwide, and we are very blessed to get to speak to him today concerning those masks that bind us. John, thank you so much for taking your time and energy to share your wisdom with us today. It's a pleasure being with you, Andrew. Well, let's get right to it now. Let's just ask a real basic question. Why do we wear masks? Well, one thing is that we have a choice, and we don't realize sometimes that those choices are on an unconscious level. Let me give you an example. In my family, when I was a young child, my mother's mantra was, there is never enough. Uh, The whole energy of our home was lack, limitation, shortage, and scarcity. And what I didn't realize at the time that my father, my mother, and myself, being an only child, we all wore that particular mask. And as a result, uh, everything that we thought that we were seeking uh, did not come into fruition. It was a a very arid period uh, up until the time that I was a teenager. And uh, so I had, without realizing, had worn that mask into my adult life, and it took me some time to realize that I had that perhaps subconscious attachment and was wearing it, and it uh, that's what led to uh, much of my research into the abundance principles. And then, of course, as I mentioned in the uh, mass that removing the mass that bind us, what it really how it really started was that Jan and I went to a mask ball, and some of the, 
some of the masks were really weird and grotesque. Jan and I wore those little black masks that you wear over your eyes. But most of the people had full face masks. And I became just fascinated with what was beneath those masks. And uh, at one particular time, we uh, began to remove our masks when the music started. And that led to another curiosity. What was behind the facial mask? Because you know, you could, there's a way of reading energy, body language, and facial expressions that give you an idea into what the people are thinking and, and how they're living. And we began, Jan and I began to do this. And at one point, the little voice within said, this, will, this could be a good book. So I began to really pay attention. And I could see the warrior mask. Uh, this was back in the 90s. And even so, the pros- you know, there was good prosperity in the country. Things were going well with the economy. But I could hear people talking about worrying about their money, uh, worrying about their health, worrying about their relationships, and so forth. So, um, so I made a mental note that, okay, we've got to deal with that warrior mask. And then over the course of the evening, picking up different things that uh, it reminded, one particular man reminded me of a bully. When I was a child, I was chased home by a bully because he had teased me about my skinny legs, and uh, I had teased him about something else. I think it was the pimples on his face, so he chased me home. And as I was running up to the to my front door, my dad was standing just behind the screen door, and he locked it and wouldn't let me in. And he says, never run from a fight, which I had to then turn around, and I ran like a banshee, jumped on this bully, and uh, won the fight. A little skinny kid and this great big bully. And so I I met the counterpart to that childhood bully there in the restroom. And I thought, hmm, that's another mask. And what I realized later, Andrew, was that we all wear masks because we have attitudes. We have beliefs. We have a sense of separation from our source. And we act that part of our humanhood that seems most comfortable for us. Whether it's the manipulator, the tyrant, uh, the the um, uh, being forsaken, or whatever it is, we have chosen on some level of consciousness to compensate for our particular lack, our particular problem in consciousness, by projecting that energy through uh, through our personality, and uh, it can be a, a you know a real uh, horrendous thing if we get too deep down into those dark energies within that. Uh, on that bottom level of consciousness, let's let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's an interesting thing, and uh, Jen and I since then, Jen being my wife, of course, have have continued this study, and in our workshops, uh, we'll watch for certain uh, certain facial expressions and certain words that come out of people, and we can see kind of where they are, and it enables us to move into a more helpful mode relating specifically to that particular mask. And uh, I had one woman say, are you psychic? And I said, no, not at all. Uh, I started to say we all are in some extent, to some extent. And she says, how did you know what my problem was? And I really didn't know how to answer that. And I said, I've just been watching you. And she said, oh. So we all, every one of us, I still wear a mask. I, I don't know what it is right now. But uh, all of us do unless, until we can go within, understand who and what we are, that the identity that we live is the identity that we experience, and choose the identity that we want to experience, 
and then begin to practice it. It's not so much acting as if, it's realizing the reality of us rather than the illusion of us and be, and beginning to uh, to live the way we want to live, not the way we don't want to live, if any of that makes any sense. Absolutely. And, I, you know, uh, I've had people say to me, well, you know, if I could just pick out anywhere I'd want to live, well, I'd want to live like, you know, the President of the United States or whatever. And I said, well, okay, that's a projection you're playing with. Where did you come up with that? There's something mm. inside you that came up with that. Good, good. So it's not really us, pl- you know, just picking out something randomly, but really there's something inside of us that would choose a perfect, um, a certain identity or, or truth that is more authentic for us. And, I, and, and yeah. so it, when we don't recognize we're wearing that mask, um, what are the various ways that we can come to recognize it? What are the various ways that we can come to recognize it? Yes. Uh-huh. Well, number one is that what is our problem? What, is, what are we worrying about most of the time? Where is our consciousness? If we are totally materialistic, let me put it this way, and focusing only on the external world, the phenomenal world, for our good, we're in trouble. Because if, as we look out there and we see something missing in our lives, that there is a lack of fulfillment in our lives, we're, we're looking out at the outer screen of life. And as we begin to pick up what we consider problems, then we are putting on a mask. Because we're putting on the warrior mask, we're putting on the manipulator mask, we say, okay, I've got a problem here, and something in our consciousness says that there is a way to manipulate out of this that there is a way to control the power out there and get back in sync with that which we want to accomplish, that which we want to be in life. And so that's when we begin to put the masks on. I know when I was in the, in the corporate world, I was in the advertising and public relations business, and we had uh, several national co- uh, clients, uh, Maytag, McDonald's, uh, Delsey, uh, Kleenex uh, from Kimberly-Clark, uh, a lot of major clients, and some minor ones too. But I began to, in retrospect, seeing how many times I wore a mask to be oh so pleasing and to be so nice in order to get a bigger budget. And sometimes there would be, within me there would be a conflict of interest because I wanted to please the client so much. And even though I knew in many cases what they were saying was not right, relating to their marketing to the public, I went along with it because I wanted to be the good guy, and I wanted to make sure that we kept the account. And in one of my books, I wrote about uh, this. We were living in Chicago, uh, Chicago suburb at the time, and we were handling, handling a big candy company. And the president of that company wanted me to go to the American uh, American Medical Association Library to prove that sugar was so good for you, you couldn't live without it. Mm. Well, I did. I put, picked stuff out of context and wrote a, a position paper on how wonderful sugar was, and we put that into the campaign as a medical fact. Now, that's manipulation. Mm-hmm. You know, that uh, today I would not do that. But back then I was wearing that mask of let's please, let's do whatever is necessary. The, uh, uh, what is it? The end justifies the means, so forth. And that was a particular mask that I was wearing. As I began to get more in tune with that spirit within me, within that divine consciousness, uh, I began to change my mind about the physical phenomenal world. 
I began to understand that we are always projecting on the screen of life out there our thoughts, our feelings, and that what we are experiencing is what we're projecting. And I began to control my thoughts or try to control my thoughts. To this day, I don't completely do that. But uh, I noticed a change in my outer world based on what I was doing in my inner world. And this was a revelation to me. And uh, when I sold the business and got out of the, the corporate work, and Jan and I formed the Cordes Foundation, and I began to write my first book, The Super Beings, it was a wonderful revelation because we found people who were living that perfect circle of life. And, you know, they were in radiant health, abundantly supplied, wonderful relationships, and I wanted to know how they did it. And I kept thinking, uh, expecting some complex formula that, you know, a schematic diagram that they were going to teach me on how to, to be more of a super being. And they were so at ease with themselves and living such an uncomplicated life that it became another revelation for me. So what you're saying is they could project out onto their world based on something truer inside themselves than the mask and costume. That's right. That's right. Okay. Well, we're going to talk some more about this when we come back from the break. And this is Authentic Living. I'm your host, Andrea Matthews, and we're talking to John Randolph Price today. And we'll be back in just a moment. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T. with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earn my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit AIHT.edu. All my love. Your online community for positive change. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. 
And we're back with Authentic Living. This is Andrea Matthews, and we're talking to John Randolph Price today with regard to the masks that bind us. John, I want to ask you a little bit about those particular masks. Can you describe some of them? I know you've talked in the book about the victim and the tyrant, and you've mentioned the manipulator and the warrior today. Can you talk, describe some of these masks for us just a little bit? Well, let's, let's start with the victim because we have found, I put that as the first uh, mask because it is so prevalent, it is, it is so uh, omnipresent, so to speak, that particularly as when we go into tough times in the material world, people will put on that victim mask. In a relationship problem, they will put on the victim mask. If there is any kind of conflict, one or more of the parties in the conflict will assume the victor and the victim. And we have seen this in so many situations. I saw it in uh, relationships in aunts, uncles, cousins of my own family. I have seen it in friends that when times seem to change and we're not facing change creatively, then we will perhaps unconsciously at first put on the poor me mask. I am the victim mask because, number one, we want to be helped. We want to be pitied. We want to be able to say, I can't do it, but you can. Therefore, I'm going to let you be the authority figure in my life, and I'm going to be the recipient of all the good that you can give to me because I'm not living the kind of life that I want to live. And therefore, here we go with that victim. Uh, even if we watch television, whether it's a sitcom or a dramatic production, watch for the victim. Someone always plays that part. And it has become a, a general pattern in the collective consciousness that a segment of the population will always play that victim part and wear that victim mask until they wake up and realize what they're doing. And I gave several examples in, in the victim chapter. And one in particular, because I knew the person very well, is this, this young woman who always thought someone was talking about her. Uh, in a family gathering, if she looked over and two women or a man and a woman were looking at her, she knew that they were putting her down in their minds. And she became a terribly... Um, obsessive victim, and that led to many, many years of uh, uh, alcoholism. Finally, she joined AA and came out of it, but during that period of time, she wore the victim mask every day and every night of that particular 10-year period in her life. And we've seen that in, in marital relations that one or more, no, one of the parties will take on the the authority figure and begin to be uh, a tyrant, so to speak. Well, the other person decides on an unconscious level, perhaps the conscious, I'm going to be the victim and I'm going to let her, I'm going to let him dictate to me and I will be the, uh, 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 what would you call it, the, the, the recipient of this particular misqualified energy. So, Again, it's, it's recognizing what we're doing, what we're believing in every kind of relationship, and then to pull back and try to get back into that truth stream, back into that understanding of who and what we are, that we're not abandoned, that we're not 
the worrier. That may have been a part of our consciousness until we took control and, you know, the opinionated. We were at a at a, a party not too long ago, and there were like 12 people sitting you know, around this table, and it, it was amazing the opinionated masks that were being worn. Hmm. Now, I don't mean just expressing an opinion, because we all do that, but to express an opinion that only you are right and everyone else is wrong is wearing that opinionated mask. And then we go to the yielder. And, you know, this, I've worn that yielder, as I said, in the, in the advertising, in the advertising business, but many times we will wear it, uh, because we want to please someone at, uh, regardless of the cause. And, uh, so we become I recognize, I said in the book, I recognized a type of yielder in an acquaintance several years ago. She always looked the other way and refused to say anything to her husband about his affairs with other women. To her, the marriage was more important than fidelity, but she paid the price with chronic physical problems. And this, this yielding always because you're afraid you're going to say the wrong thing or you want to be looked upon as someone who is polite, nice, courteous, and so forth. We should be that, but if it's a part of the yielding to where you become the patsy, you become the wallflower, then it's not acting out of your divine reality, and it will result in some kind of external conflict, perhaps first in the physical body and then in other relationships because, you know, it takes two to tangle. And if we're having problems with one person, the law of attraction will will bring that to us from other people. And we've seen this happen with friends and relatives for many, many years. So it's, it's getting down to understanding what our belief system is, how we are acting, what we are what we consider ourselves to be. Are we pure uh, humans that uh, are open and receptive to the, the problems of other people? Or are we divine spirits? Are we divine individuals with that, that presence of God within us that will lead us out of all of this mask wearing forever and ever? Amen. Mm-hmm. That's that's my personal personal feeling about it. Yeah, and that's the ultimate question here is, and we do have that choice to be able to say, I'm either going to pretend to be something I'm not, or I'm and I'm going to feel the tension of that in my body and in my life, or I'm going to be who I really am and let go of that tension. You know, it gets back, Andrea, to something that that Jan and I try to remember, and that is what I call independence. And when we place our dependence on the outer world of form, you know, exclusively, like everything out there has the power, what we're doing is counterproductive. For example, if we depend on money and health and relationships or creative pursuits to bring a sense of security, then we're delaying the natural process of that divine fulfillment. You know, we keep telling ourselves and we tell other people, we don't have any needs. You don't have any needs. The only reason you wear a mask is because you think you have a need. All needs, all needs, 100% have been taken care of. Every problem that you think you have has already been solved. There are no needs. There are no problems. Understand this, realize this, and the masks fall off. And 
you know, we always reap what we sow. And in a material consciousness, predominantly material consciousness, we're projecting need thoughts into the world. And as all of us know, need always attracts more need. And this is why our, our material world is in such a state of flux. You know, it's it's pleasure and pain, uh, good and what we consider bad. And it's all happening out there until we move into a higher vibration of cause and effect above the experience of duality. And so can you tell our listeners a little bit more about what you mean when you say duality? That's a concept I, I hear quite a bit, and some people really don't understand that. Well, duality is, is what we would consider, you know, the good and the evil out there, or, the, you know, the good and the bad. Uh, what is an illusion? Debt is an illusion. Uh, sickness is an illusion. Uh, conflict is an illusion. Uh, anything that we would consider out of divine reality is an illusion. And uh, I could give you a lot of examples. In my book, The Jesus Code, one of the lessons that came through to me was that the dual nature of the universe does not exist in the true world. There is neither health nor sickness, abundance nor scarcity, peace nor conflict. God is the only power. All else is maya, illusion projected by mind, whether judged good or bad by the seer. And, you know, what this really means is that in spirit nothing is lacking, that, every, that nothing is absent, that whatever that is not of God does not exist. We exist. Therefore, we are of God, and all is perfect. We are not healthy or ill, rich or poor, for we are spirit. We are immortal beings here to show forth the glory of God and not to change the picture on the screen, but to reveal that truth has no opposite. And when we can understand that there is nothing but spirit within and without, that this whole material universe is spiritual, and when we can understand that and begin to look at the, the, this universe, this world, as a spiritual world, we begin to see that as within, so without. First we go to as above, so below. And then as within, so without. And that is rising above duality. That is seeing that everything in life is good. What we try to do and, and, and practice daily is practicing that presence and seeing that flow through through us, moving out into the external world to appear as everything that was needed before it was ever needed in the first place, if I'm making sense. Mm-hmm. And one of our favorite things is to is to say that spirit has already straightened out the crooked places, has already performed the work that I thought was my responsibility, and has already made perfect that which was concerning me, in all in ways that I could not possibly imagine. And that particular affirmation, that particular mantra has, has meant so much to me, because when we press this truth firmly in consciousness, we begin to feel our completeness, which is a way of seeing as spirit sees. And, you know, I, our philosophy is that if a thought of a problem pops into mind, drop it. Cast it upon that presence within. Drop it like a hot coal 
release it. It's been solved. The, the, the need has been met. The problem has been solved. So there is no need for a mask. There is no need to manipulate. There is no need to worry. There is no need to be concerned about anything. And I know that this is tough living in the material world because of the forces out there that seem to be impacting us at all times, and many times through the, through the collective consciousness. But we've got to do our work. We've got to settle down, understand who we are, practice that presence, and realize that we are not separate from that divine consciousness as above, so below. You know, there's no place where spirit leaves off and something called human begins. It's all spirit. Every part of us is divine. There is nothing in our consciousness that is not divine. Now, we may have polluted it with false beliefs and error thoughts, but it is still pure, divine, and perfect. All and right. We, and we're going to take a break now, and we're going to talk about that some more when we get back from the break. Okay, good. Um, this is Andrea Matthews with Authentic Living, sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology, and we'll be back in just a moment. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, A-I-H-T, with a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my Ph.D. in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve, too. That's how it works. The self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit A-I-H-T dot E-D-U. All my love. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with Authentic Living. This is Andrea Matthews. We are talking today with John Randolph Price about the masks that bind us. And just before the break, we were talking about the whole issue of duality and how we have a choice about whether we see ourselves as divine beings or whether we see ourselves as 
as separate and distinct from the divine energy. And I want to talk a little bit more about that whole notion of seeing. You, ta- you use the word see and the seer and the revelation and the revealer. And I want to talk a little bit about that whole idea because I think that's so associated with the masks. What we see of ourselves isn't necessarily who we really are. You know, I've said many times that we must see as spirit sees, and people have said, what on earth are you talking about? And I said, okay, think of a problem that you may be experiencing. I said, now, how does spirit see that? Does it see it as a problem, or does it see the solution? And it always sees the solution because the problem has been solved. Therefore, the way out has already been uh, chosen or uh, implemented, manif- made manifest. And so as we begin to see through our through that spiritual vision, we begin to get a completely different perspective on life. If spirit has already solved our problems, then we don't have a problem. And as we begin to meditate on this, contemplate it, and understand it, then what we thought was a problem moves out of our mind, and we see that it had been, it had been solved in some way all the time. I've, I've written about this before, but we had a, uh, our water well. We, have a, we live out in the country, and Jan turned on the faucet one evening, and uh, there was no water. And so we called the, uh, the water well people, and they came out, and you know how they do. It's, it's like uh, going into a doctor's office. They said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and rubbed their, he rubbed his brow, you know, and checked everything, and he says, well, it looks like we're going to have to go deeper, uh, dig deeper in there, and it's going to cost you about $10,000. Mm-hmm. And I swallowed, you know, and <clears throat> cleared my throat, and I heard an audible voice, and it says, do not fret over a problem that does not exist. And that has stayed with me. That was about five or six years ago. It has stayed with me until this day, to this day. Because later, he came and rang the doorbell, and he says, oh, it was just a little uh, uh, short in your fuse box or something like that. I can't remember. And it, it cost a little about less than $100. Mm-hmm. And it made me understand There are many times we think we have a problem, but it is not a problem. But if we focus on the problem, what we do is concretize it. We bring it more into the into the firmness of consciousness where it becomes a problem where it wasn't a problem before. And this ties in specifically with the warrior mask that, you know, we think, "Uh uh-oh, we've really got a problem here, and we begin to worry about it. And where there wasn't a problem in the first place, it begins to congeal. It begins to take on a form within our consciousness that has, that must by law be outpictured in the phenomenal world. So the idea of don't fret, the problem has been solved. We have no needs. If we can, you know, we can echo that, speak it, echo it all through the day as much as we can to bring a sense of stillness and peace and ease, you know, into our consciousness, then sometimes we're amazed at how harmonious the outer picture becomes. And I want to bring up this word faith. For Many people don't like the word faith. They think it takes back, goes back to the old religious things that you must have faith or nothing's going to happen. Well, faith is one of our powers. Faith is an energy within our energy field. And we must not forget the power of faith. Faith in that indwelling presence, faith in the activity of that presence, faith 
that the problems are solved, that the needs are met. And I, I, I love Emerson. I've written about Emerson in almost every one of my books. And I love when he said, all I have seen teaches me to trust the Creator for all that I have not seen. Mm-hmm. And it gets back to trust. Walter Starkey, a good friend of ours who's written a lot of wonderful books, uh, he constantly says, I trust the divine process. I trust the divine process. And anytime anything comes into his consciousness or comes into his, into his force field, so to speak, he says, I trust the divine consciousness. And he told me one time, he says, John, that's the way I negate. That's the way I throw off any problem that may come to me. But rather than settle into my consciousness, I throw it off by saying, I trust the divine process. So, you know, whatever it takes to take off the mask, to get back into that joy stream, into that that truth energy, we do. And I I said something to, to a woman in one of our workshops many years ago. I said, it takes dedication and discipline. And she said, oh, no. And it was like, I have to be disciplined. I have to be dedicated. Can't I just live a normal life? Well, if we want to get back up into that higher consciousness where we see things and live harmoniously and live what Jan and I call an uncomplicated life, yes, we must be disciplined and we must be dedicated. And that's one of the secrets of life. And it's not a, it's not a task that we, or a burden that we take on. It's a fun-filled adventure. You know, when Jan was on the other side and she wrote that book, uh, The Other Side of Death, she was told so many times by the, uh, I guess you would call them the angels, the people over there, that life is supposed to be joyous. Life is supposed to be fun. And when she came back after uh, more than five minutes, which we figured were several months on the other side because of the time element, uh, she came back wide-eyed and just so excited about living life for the joy of it, for the fun of it. And she still does. That was in 1993 that she had that near-death experience. And to this day, you know, she's like a child who just enjoys life. Mm -hmm. And if we can get into that mode, into that vibration, then again, we're taking off all of those negative masks and putting on the mask of truth, the mask of joy, the mask of love, the mask of fun. Uh, I had a dream one night. uh, An angel came to me in the dream and said, do everything for the fun of it. And, well, that's the only way to live. And I woke up and I thought, well, uh, I I had really been pressing hard to understand more, to open my consciousness more, and so that I could write the kind of books that I really wanted to write. And it was like, do it for the fun of it. Don't make it a chore. And I think I told someone who was uh, in the business world just recently, who was really felt he had to work to make that business successful. And I says, yes, but look at it from a different perspective. You have the opportunity to enjoy what you're doing, to have fun at it, to be joyous and loving with, you know, with your employees and with your customers, and watch what happens. And I uh, had an email from him about a month later, and he said it's made all the difference in the world. He lightened up. He was not heavy anymore in consciousness. And the business reflected that change of attitude. So another mask was taken away. 
It's a, it's a wonderful way to live, Andrea. Absolutely. And so what you're saying is two things I hear. One is that we're not necessarily saying no to or going into battle to get rid of those masks, but really we're saying yes to something truer inside of ourselves. And the second thing is that when we do that, the attachments that come with the mask fade away and the attachments that come with the authentic self come into play. Yeah. I had a young woman uh, say to me one time, and she says, I don't understand why the spiritual principles don't work for me in the area of financial abundance. And I said, what you're really saying is, it is my understanding that regardless of how hard I try spiritually, I still don't have enough money to pay my bills. And she says, yeah, what's the difference? I said, well, the difference is is that you have an attachment to scarcity. On perhaps the subconscious, unconscious level, you have an attachment to scarcity. And it was probably developed at some point in the past, and as it grew stronger, it came, became a part of your identity and caused you to resist change to a higher level of understanding. And I remind her that the identity we live is the identity we we experience, and she was living the identity of scarcity. And I don't have a scarcity mask in the book, but that's another mask that we can put on. And, again, the response that came back oh, several months later, it, didn't, it took a while, that when she finally released herself from that attachment, and when she did, things began to change in her life. She began to live as abundance, not as scarcity, but as the fullness of abundance because our divine consciousness is the consciousness of abundance. And that's not something separate and apart from us. It's a part of our being, which means that the consciousness of abundance is a part of our personality. And if we can understand that, then we understand that we are abundance. And if we contemplate this and, and let it flow through us on that stream of abundance, then ch- things begin to change in the outer world. It's, it, it's an amazing thing what happens when we get back in tune with the truth of our being. Get back in tune with that divine, not part of us, because there is, no, there is nothing that is not divine as a part of us. And when we can use that identity, I am a divine being. I have everything. Nothing is missing in my life. I have no needs because the spirit I am has fulfilled those needs, has taken care of them, has solved every problem. And, you know, what, it, what, we, what are we I aming? If I am lack, then I'm going to experience lack. If I am abundance, then I'm going to experience abundance. Okay, so let's we tell stop people right to there. identify themselves with that which they want. Okay, let's stop right there want. for just a minute, and we're going to talk. We're going to take a break, and I want okay. to come back and talk about that I am some more because that's real, real important. So, this is Andrea Matthews with Authentic Living. We'll be back in just a moment. Listening on a Higher Dimension, 7th Wave Network. I begin each day with an intention to be open to guidance, to expect guidance, to trust and appreciate when guidance comes. With these intentions, each day is easier to navigate. Hi, I'm Sonia Choquette. 
When I decided to trust my guidance and further my education, I chose the American Institute of Holistic Theology, AIHT. It was a soulful pathway to deep learning. In my own home, on my own schedule, I earned my PhD in metaphysics. You know, the value of wisdom only grows, and in developing our own gifts, we can help others evolve too. That's how it works. These self-paced programs in holistic health, metaphysics, holistic ministries, parapsychic science, and holistic theology can embolden your spirit to change the world. And the time has come for us all to do our part in changing the world. So in this moment, call the American Institute of Holistic Theology. The number is 1-800-650-4325. In this moment, visit A-I-H-T dot E-D-U. All my love. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with Authentic Living. This is Andrea Matthews. We're sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology as we talk to John Randolph Price today with regard to the masks that bind us. And, John, just before the break, we were talking about um, the I am, what we I am. I think that's real important in our speech and in our, in our belief system. So talk some more about that, if you will. Well, we go back to the hermetic principle, as above, so below, as within, so without. And we know that what we considered above is that divine I am, that, that source, that, that spirit, that presence of God that we are in truth. But, but I think we need to understand more fully that when we say I am, it is also a part of that consciousness that we are living in daily, let's talk, we'll call it the objective consciousness, the, that spirit, the great I am, I am spirit, is also the I am of our personal consciousness, because there is no separation between the, the individual and the universal. The universal expresses itself as the individual. Each one of us is the self-expression of God. We are the self-expression of our divine consciousness. And when we can understand the divinity of the I am and understand that that, uh, to, to say that we are I am and use it in a negative response is taking the name of the Lord in vain. Because when we can I am from that truth perspective and speak those words that I am whole, I am complete, I am wonderfully successful. I am abundance. I am abundant riches. I am lavish abundance. And what we're doing is not trying to say that 
that the human part of us is divine because there is not a human part of us. We, all of us, the all is divine. Every part of us is divine. We have just forgotten or we have been under a hypnotic spell that this was not true, but it is. So we like to to say that when you say, I am something, you're calling forth the Spirit of God to express and manifest in the phenomenal world according to that I am statement. And when we can do this, uh, again, amazing things happen. Not so much in the outer world at first. They happen in consciousness first. They happen within. And then the the outer picture changes. It changes in response or in the degree that we accept the truth from within and begin to act the truth, begin to be abundance, to be wholeness. You know, sickness is an illusion. Death is an illusion. It really doesn't exist except what we have made up and projected on the screen of the phenomenal world. But it begins, the debt begins to melt, begins to turn into abundance, financial abundance, as we understand that there is only one reality. And that one reality is the emanation or the radiation from that I am within. The I am, that that S-U-N, that sun of God within us, radiates, shines through us every moment to appear as everything that we could possibly need in this life. And people say, well, I, I, I really do need a new home, or I really need a new car. What should I do? I said, go within. Go within. Your spirit knows everything that you could possibly need. Go within and understand that the need has already been solved. The greater the, the, the contemplation of the spirit within, the greater the manifestation and the quicker the manifestation in the phenomenal world. We have to stop messing around and meddling out there and keep our focus within. And this is when things begin to change. Uh, unexpected income appears we, beyond our wildest imagination. Uh, we wake up one morning and that ache and that pain is gone. And we thought, well, what did I do to deserve that or to make that happen? Well, all we did was to tune into truth, tune into that spirit within, that divine consciousness, and let it express through us to move out into the phenomenal world. I love the expression, I I, I tell myself often, that infinite good is flowing through me at every moment in time. Infinite good is flowing through me, and because that's the truth. And I don't try to decide what that good is, because it's omnipresent, it's omniscient, and it's omnipotent. So the good manifests according to everything that is needed in my life with the problem solved. And I'm not saying that I, I, I live the absolutely perfect life, but I'm evolving, as we all are, into that state of, I'm going to say, perfection. And someone once told me, one of the super beings says, you don't have to worry about it, John, because we are, we, we are eternal beings. You know, if we don't get it this time around, we could sure get it at some point in time. Mm-hmm. So it sort of took the pressure off of me that I have to be a, a saint and a savior. And I could just be me and enjoy life and, and have fun in the process. Right. And that takes away the fear. And, I, you know, one of the things that I'm real aware of as you're talking, John, is that 
abuse, the victim, the tyrant, the manipulator, the fanatic, the warrior, the deceiver, they all come from a fear base that says, I must do this to survive. And what you're saying is, if you turn around and look inside yourself, what you find is the person who is the wholeness that recognizes that survival is not an issue. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, there's one word that I haven't spoken much about since we began talking today, and that word is love. And I was told many, many years ago in a dream, in fact, we had just started the Quartus Foundation, and I had, you know, I was no longer working, so to speak, in the corporate world, and the finances were, were getting lower and lower. And, of course, I was doing meditation and affirmative prayer and all of this, and nothing was really happening. And uh, so I felt the cosmic lines were busy. And one night I had a dream, and an ancient, ancient, old, old, and I say that because he looked, you know, like a thousand years old, came to me in a dream, and he says, John, if you would only love more, every limitation in your life would vanish. And I woke up, and I was I was shocked because I thought I had been a loving person. But I realized that I had not loved enough from a cosmic, from a truth perspective. And Jan and I began a seven-day truth uh, love program. We loved the refrigerator. We loved the chest of drawers. We loved the floor. We loved the presence of God within. We loved everybody. And amazing things started happening. Within 10 days, 10 days to two weeks, the phone started ringing, people inviting us to come do workshops on the super beings. Wow. And it started a whole new life for us. And many times, if things get a little boring, not boring, but seem a little stale, we start loving again. Mm-hmm. And with that love pouring forth, things begin to change. Wow, that's amazing. So that's a really sort of being in the flow of that divine energy that I call the authentic self. That's just who we really are. That's right. That's right. Because that love is universal. That love is divine. We can't make it up. We've just got to be the open channels, the instruments through that love through which the love flows to appear as everything needed. Mm-hmm. So, okay, you you have written all these wonderful books, and you've been in the flow of divine energy. What are you working on right now? Well, I'm I'm working on some novels. Ah. I, I, I've written three of them, and I haven't found a publisher yet, and I'm hopefully uh, to do that. You know, many times people who write nonfiction spiritual books, the publishers look at, you know, with... Uh, Creased brows like, uh uh-huh, you don't know enough about writing a novel to have one published. So I even had a professional editor look at one, and she helped me to vault over from nonfiction to fiction. So hopefully I can get them published. Now, what I've done, yes, they are mystery thrillers, love stories, and so forth, but with these truth principles woven kind of secretly into the creases so that when a person finishes the book, they're going to say, oh, oh, they got more than just a plot of a mystery. Cool. They, got, they got a spiritual vibration. That's, that's my objective. Okay. Well, now, you know, what I want to say to our listeners today as we close out the show is that if they want to learn more about you, they can go to your website, which is www.cortusfoundation.com, correct? Yeah, just Cortus, www.cortus, Q-U-A-R-T-U-S dot org. Dot org. Okay, thank you for correcting me. So if if listeners are out there and want to learn more about the abundance teaching, about the I Am Identity, please uh, check out that website 
And John, thank you so much for being with us today. Well, Andrea, thank you for helping, help, uh, having me. I've just enjoyed being with you. Okay. And this is Authentic Living. Tune in again next week for another episode. And just remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.